I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So I love to start my year off. Uh-huh. That's right. Talking to another Steph. You got it. I know. I can't help myself. I can't. Today, we talked to Steph Gillies, and she will help you reach your dream job faster. So we're at the beginning where people are poised and probably thinking about if perhaps they didn't get the raise they wanted, let alone the bonus, perhaps, you know, the business they're in just isn't going as predicted. Maybe it's just time for a change. Maybe they're going to finally just do whatever the hell they actually really always wanted to and take that leap themselves. So I like how she calls herself a career story coach and personal branding expert. I don't know how many of us, when you're in the job-seeking marketing arena, think about branding ourselves. Isn't that for influencers? Isn't that for people on social media? How can that be for us? So I want to find that out and, you know, a hell of a lot more. So with that, I say thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome, Steph. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. All right. So hot seat. We always start with, tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Perfect. Well, I am Canadian. I'll start with that. So I know okay, you're I like based it. in New okay. York. So yes, I'm from Canada. When I graduated high school, I really didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career. So I had 32 jobs in 15 years. I went ahead and just did a little bit of everything. I worked at Starbucks. I worked at a bank. I did trail riding like on horseback. Mm -hmm. um, I did a little bit of everything to try to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And then what I really found is I really liked helping people. So I got a social work degree and started working in the nonprofit industry. But I've always wanted to work for myself. That's been my dream like pretty much my whole time since I got a job it's the first time. I don't love working for other people. It's not really mm. my jam. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I was working at this nonprofit and then I was laid off at the beginning of COVID. So that was kind of the jump for me to, I had started a resume business part-time several years before that. And so I was kind of doing that part-time. And then when I was laid off, I was like, well, now's the time to jump in. And so I decided to just go for it. And I jumped in full time. And that was a year and a half ago now. 
And um, yeah, I love doing it. I, I branched into coaching as well now. So I'm a coach. I'm a coach and a resume writer. I help people who've been laid off. I help people who are looking for a career transition, people who are looking to just change. I've helped someone who went from banking to a director in a nonprofit organization. So, mm-hmm. you know, people who are just really looking to really make that change into something they're more excited about rather than just what pays the bills. Did you always like writing? Because not many people will sit around and say, I love to write resumes. And truth be told about me, and I'm much older than you, my friend. And I think I've been lucky in my career that I think I've written at the most three resumes. And I've worked in a lot of different jobs. But in the beginning, I when you're starting out, yes, you write one or back then you just filled out an application. And then I really got a lot of jobs and positions from working with people who then moved to another company and then kind of took me mm-hmm. along with them. So that was the bulk of my early career. And I've been in my present company for 10 years now. And again, when someone says, all right, so just, you know, send them your resume. And I'm like, <laughs> in the world. What? I'm old and I've written three. So how did you even realize you liked writing them? Let's start there. Forget the fact that you were good at it. It's an interesting question. You know, I was thinking about that recently and my least favorite and the subject I did the worst in in school was English and L.A., That was, again, another question of, do you love, do you just love words? Like, no, no. yes, I I did find your superpower. I'm so curious. My goodness. It's actually really interesting. I don't know that I really have an answer for it. But when I was like 22, I wrote a Mm -hmm. book. I mean, I, I have like four books. They just sit on my computer. They're just like really random things that I wrote about. They're not really like quality or have any substance to them, but it was just something that I like to do on my free time was just like write things. And I don't know where it came from or how it started, but it is something that I started enjoying and I started just writing for fun. Then writing resumes, what I really like about it is I find that people struggle to write about themselves because mm-hmm. they don't know how to share. How do you start? Words. Exactly. Right. Where do you start? Yeah. What what you do you want pick to post? Out? Right. I'm like, I'm really exactly. good at this. And that's just one word or one sentence. And they feel the need to like, I have to fill a page or mm-hmm. let's get to that old, put a staple in it. And now you're on page two. And uh, yeah. so you've there- seen, you've seen it evolve the yeah. state of the resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that people tend to think about their job just as something they do every day. I have to help them draw out like, what are those really great things you do to you? It might be just an everyday thing, but to Mm -hmm. someone else, like the hiring manager, who's looking for these specific skills, Mm -hmm. that's actually like a really huge accomplishment. So when I'm able to pull out those things and really create this document for them, I love hearing the best thing I can hear when I deliver a resume is this boosted my confidence so much. And I feel so much better about achieving my goals or applying for this job. That's really my goal when I write a resume is really helping people to feel that confidence and just build that confidence in them because it's there. They have it. They often just don't recognize it in themselves. So, so true. And that confidence and lack thereof or staying in your head for Mm -hmm. an interview or or even if you got the interview, it can be so detrimental because 
you become this barrel of nerves and you have no idea what the hell you did. So the confidence part and people, I think, maybe take that for granted as well. It's Mm -hmm. here's my experience. Here's what Mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't say do. Here's what I've done for other companies. And do people ever write about all the things they can do, even though they haven't applied it in a job? Does that make sense? It can sometimes. Like what I've worked with a lot of people too, where sometimes they've done these amazing jobs and these amazing tasks, Mm -hmm, but then mm -hmm. they bring it to their manager and their manager doesn't implement it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then it just kind of is like work that kind of hit a dead end and then it moves on. And they're like, well, they'd always tell me, well, it didn't go anywhere. But it doesn't matter. You still did it, right? You still did the work. You still created the project. You still did all the research in the back end. If that's Mm -hmm. something you're really proud of, even if the, you know, you don't have a great manager and they didn't accept your work or it just didn't fit at the time, doesn't mean that you don't know how to do it and we can't brag about it on your resume. So I think there's just so many things that we can pull out. And what I often see is people put things that aren't as useful on their resumes. Does anybody care that you attend meetings as needed? Do you know how many times I see that on a resume? <laughs> attend meetings as needed. Hey, I think we all do that, right? <laughs> I am subordinate. Yes, I do. <laughs> that bullet or that little set, I just feel like it's, they're filling the page. They're filling the page. Mm-hmm. So also my disclaimer, and I, I think I forgot to tell you, I work in HR. That's my daytime thing. So I see, and I hire a lot of people. So I see a lot of resumes. (sighs) And I look for, in our industry, we do sometimes look for a very specialized group, a really specific skill set. But on the flip side of that, they could be answering an ad just for either a a project coordinator or something. Mm -hmm. And they have obviously no experience in the industry I am of the believer and I'm of the school only because any job that I've ever worked for, it was usually the first time working in that industry. And similar to you, when you did your 32 jobs, and I, I love that, by the way, because that also was me. I'm, I'm good for five years. I would stay yeah. somewhere for five years, go in, fix things great, and then just move on, move on. And it's ironic that I'm still here 10 years later, but- okay. What I did, it doesn't mean I can't do something else. And as a matter of fact, when someone has a lot of different experience, personally to Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, well, you know what? They're teachable, they're trainable, they can learn. And, you know, I think most of us in our company are really good examples because none of us came from that industry. Right. And yet we've all learned it. So do people discount? The fact that they have common sense and they have half a brain and do they get stuck on the minutia of what the job description says and voluntarily take them out? Like, oh, oh, it says, you know, it you have to have this or you should know that. And I've never done that before mm-hmm. in yes. that capacity. Yeah, I definitely have had quite a few people who do that. But then when Mm -hmm. we have a conversation, I can also help them kind of figure out which role fits them better. And a lot of time, what I find is that people tend to undersell themselves, especially Mm -hmm. us as women. 
we tend to undersell ourselves and they're like, you know, I don't actually feel like I, I can do this role. And well, actually everything you just shared with me is there just worded in a different way or applied in a different way. But it doesn't mean that you can don't have those skills just because you haven't done it in that specific position. So I kind of use the example of that person I was telling you about who moved from banking to nonprofit. Mm -hmm. She was mm -hmm. a bank manager, like a branch manager. And so she had a lot of skills and she had done a lot of volunteer work in the nonprofit industry, but all like at lower levels, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's, I mean, as a volunteer, you're not taking on executive positions. But with her volunteer work paired with her branch manager experience, we we're able to get her a director level position in a nonprofit industry because there's so many transferable skills there. You know, like at the branch manager, you're still managing people, you're still managing budgets, and it's just mm -hmm, different mm -hmm. wording. So instead of using budgets, right, you talk about funding or overseeing volunteers. So it's just like a little bit changing the wording so that the people reading it can understand it for what they're looking for, mm. which is what you probably understand that as well, right? Yeah, it is just a um, tweak of exactly the word, which then suddenly says, oh, wait a minute, you know, if they did that, they're probably good at Excel. Let's right. find that out because we'll need that too. So how do you find your clients, local, online, who do you serve? I'm an introvert, so I like to do everything online. Okay. That's <laughs> so, so I funny. before That's... pre pandemic, I used to meet with people, but I didn't enjoy like the mm -hmm. driving to going to find a coffee shop and then meeting, mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I love online. It makes it a lot simpler for everybody. Actually, most of my clients are probably American. I'd probably say maybe 70% are American, 40% are Canadians. I was curious about that because I was just wondering how are you finding the job market? I think that. As you started, because you said you really kind of jumped in and went all in at COVID time. So right before COVID hit, it was a really funny job market whereby mm -hmm. there was a scarcity of qualified employees looking mm -hmm. for positions and they held the power of the pen they could really dictate as to how much they wanted to make. And it was very different. It mm -hmm. was hard, number one, but it was really interesting to see the change in the market. Like, ooh, we're not in Kansas anymore. And no, we can't just go in and say this position's going to offer this range because nobody is answering that one because they can get five or $10,000 more around the mm -hmm. corner. So then with COVID, now you have an influx of beautifully qualified people mm -hmm. in the marketplace looking. And it was just such a, a quick reversal. But then to throw that extra little piece of the remote part. Mm -hmm. So lots to unpack there. Let's start with remote. Do you find a lot of people that is still very important for is the or do people even still like the option or the possibility of working remote? Yeah, I've seen it both ways in terms of people's personalities. I think a lot of people who have young families like that is mm -hmm. really important to them because they mm -hmm. want to be able to be home for their kids or be able to pick them up from school, mm -hmm. you know, have mm -hmm. that more flexibility. I actually had a client, which was quite interesting. He was an introvert and he worked at home. He worked remote and he quit his job because he was alone all the time. And he realized that he was just so lonely. And so he quit his job and actually went and worked at a mall for a while. 
and just did a little bit of work there to like see people and be able to talk to them. And then he ended up finding a job back and he was a programmer. So he was finding a job back in his dream Mm -hmm. environment, but he wanted to be in the office because he realized that even though he's an introvert, it was just too much time alone for him and he lived alone and everything. So he wasn't really seeing people as much. And so he really, the work and collaborative environment for him was super important to be able to just have that ability to talk to people. I think that is really underestimated for a Mm -hmm. lot of people is being able to go in and just make friends and be in an Mm -hmm. environment where other people are also excited about their job. I don't think everyone works well on their own independently at home. Some people Mm -hmm. it's like really good for them, but a lot of people just like that camaraderie to be able to talk and collaborate and stuff like that. So there are some companies who do some really collaborative stuff online while they're Mm -hmm. working remote. And some companies, it's just kind of you're on your own. So it just depends on the type of company and environment you're looking for. Or even in a perfect world, a little bit of both. There are times if I'm traveling, obviously I'll work remote and I Mm -hmm. love it even more because I just, from a work standpoint, I know I get so much done Mm -hmm. if I'm just sitting and cranking out whatever needs to be done. Flip side is we do have a lot of fun at work. And, we, you know, nice. there's a lot of, you know, laughing and inside jokes and and dealing with bullshit that <laughs> it does make the day go faster. And yeah. yeah. OK, so I'm going to come to you because I want to change industries. So how am I going to convince any potential employer or even like getting through some sort of screening computer like on Indeed or someone that I have to upload something that I would qualify for something I might have never done before. As you said earlier with your Mm -hmm. not-for-profit and your banking person, tell us that whole thought process because that I'm really interested in. Absolutely. So the best way to do it is when you're looking for new positions is to really read the job descriptions of those positions, whether they're local to you or not, just read a whole bunch of them and try to pull out those common themes. So you'll see like with operations, there's a lot of managing people. There's a lot of process improvements. There's a lot of project management. You'll see like similar themes start to pop up as you really Mm -hmm. look into a whole bunch of different job positions in that new role that you're looking for. And then once you have kind of the themes and the skills that they're looking for, then you go back into your history and you look at all the times that you've done those things, whether it was when we're talking customer service, that can be anything from tech support to working at a restaurant, right? That's pretty Mm -hmm. broad range of customer service. So being able to speak to those skills just in the unique way that you've already experienced them in the way that they'll understand is how it will help you in your job search. So when I'm doing it, like I obviously don't know a lot of industries. I mean, I'm no IT expert, I'll tell you that, but I've done a lot of IT resumes. And the way I do it is I just deep dive into the job positions, the job descriptions that are out there. What is a job for a programmer? What does a job description look like? What do 10 of them look like? And what are the themes that I kind of see throughout? Then how would I write that resume based on what those people are looking for? Because we want to write our resume for what the hiring manager wants to see, not what we want to tell them. So if we're looking at a programmer position, what do those 10 job descriptions, what seems to be the theme that they want to see in your resume and then write your resume towards that? That's a great piece of advice. Most people will start at that blank screen or that blank piece of paper and just be like, what have I done? And it's not, again, all about me. It's let me tell you 
some of the things that I've have experience with that could make sense for the position that you're looking for. So where are you on, because in New York, in New York City, they just passed a, a bill where the job ad has to have a salary range. And then some jobs, if they don't have a salary listed or even the range, will always say, include your salary requirements. Where do you begin when you think you might know based on the title? what the range is, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to sell yourself short. Where are you on the salary showing your cards early Mm -hmm. or what happens there? I live in the camp where if you can avoid that conversation as long as possible, that's probably best. But if they ask for your salary requirements, then sometimes they will bypass Mm -hmm. your resume if you don't provide it. Mm -hmm. So I would provide it in the cover letter, not on the resume. But basically, it's the same thing like I was just sharing. You go on Glassdoor, something like that. Indeed now has salary ranges that you can look at. Mm -hmm. You just start Mm -hmm. looking at positions, look at positions in your state, look at positions in other states, look, see kind of what the average tends to be. And then what is the minimum that you're willing to accept? So when you think of a salary too, you also have to think about benefits, time off, Mm -hmm. different things like that, that the company is able to offer. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes if the salary is maybe not as good as you wanted it to be, Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not negotiating on it. You can also negotiate on those other benefits as well. So really, like, it's just doing a ton of research again, just going on Glassdoor, Deed, looking at the different positions in that industry that you're looking at, kind of seeing what the average would be for people at your stage, at your level in the job role that you're looking at. And then I always suggest offering a range. So like, instead of saying, you know, I'm looking for $25 an hour, you would Mm -hmm. say I'm looking for anywhere between, you know, 24 and 35. So that it's a range that if they land anywhere in there, you're good, right? And then you have some room to negotiate to your higher rate when you are provided an offer. Because when you are negotiating, you need to back up your negotiation with something. When you're able to see your accomplishments and say, this is what I can offer to you, then it would be a no-brainer for them to be able to offer you more as a wage. So I worked with another client who, he worked for this organization and he was being paid like a pretty nominal wage, like 50,000 a year. He was a tech guy. And so he fixed this machine. I don't know all the details, but he Mm -hmm. fixed this machine that would have cost him like $90,000 had he not spent two days on it to fix it. And so he was Mm -hmm. able to then go to them and say, I think I deserve a raise. I just saved you $90,000. So if you're able to give me, you know, an extra 10, 15, 20, then you're still saving a ton of money because I'm able to help you with these things that if you were to hire out somewhere else, you Mm -hmm. would be paying a lot more. And so if you're able to back up your salary negotiation or you're asked for a raise, it can help them a lot to understand why they would want to do that. Very, very smart. Strike while the iron's hot. Very smart on his part. So let's go to not a good day. And a not a good day is a day that you've either uh, been laid off or just been let go, going in another direction. Most people might take a day or two or just to kind of A, recover, especially Mm -hmm. if they didn't see it coming. So when someone comes to you in that situation, they don't have a job. And Mm -hmm. chances are they weren't working because they want to work. Right. So you have that person. How do you handle that? I think um, a lot of people underestimate the grief process that goes through Mm -hmm. being laid off. 
it is like, here's where my social work background is going to come into play, but it is a grieving process, right? right. People tend to just like, you know, I'm going to go back out there. And then a few weeks later, they're like, this isn't working. I don't know why it's not working. And I'm feeling stressed mm-hmm. out. And they really never mm-hmm. took the time to process everything and grieve, especially when it's something that you weren't expecting. Even if it is something you're expecting, it can still be a surprise, something that you need to just go through. It's a change in your life with a little bit of grief process and giving yourself a little bit of space to be able to do that can be really helpful. So that's just my emotional side of it. Mm -hmm. It's a tough place, as you say. There's definitely a a mourning process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also think it's a great opportunity to take a little bit of time. I mean, some people don't have the luxury of a Mm -hmm. lot of time, Mm -hmm. but take some time to be able to just really figure out what it is that you want to do with the rest of your career. Most of the people that I've talked to several months or a year after their layoff, it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Right? It Don't usually say, you is. Know, yeah. No, it, you know, not in the beginning. Not the of first course. day. Of course. Not in the beginning. Absolutely. Only in hindsight do you look back and say that. And it's just a way of the universe has to kind of push you along onto bigger and better. Absolutely. And it's an opportunity to take a pause and be like, is this really what I want? I'm going to dive into this job search. Is this, is this really what I want to dive into? And mm-hmm. so like, it's just gives you a little bit of an opportunity to think about those kinds of things. So I recommend when people do get laid off to take some time for themselves, make sure that they look after themselves and just do a little bit of deep dive into yourself and really like figure out what it is that you want to do. And then while you're doing that, the best way, like you were sharing about your job history, is networking. Networking is always one of the greatest ways to be able to get a job. Even when you're not sure what you want to do, chatting with people and being out there in your network, maybe being active on LinkedIn, and just really networking can help keep that alive so that when you are ready to start looking for your new job again, you have a network to fall back on that you can ask for help. Let's just talk briefly about LinkedIn, only because I'm still such a newbie when it comes to it. I have taken 2023 to totally embrace LinkedIn, but it's a different caliber Mm -hmm. of people. It truly, truly is. I mean, I found that professionally from what I do during the day, and I know I have ads running on a lot of different platforms And a lot of times I would be very frustrated with the resumes I would get because I simply say, do they even read the ad? And sometimes I would put in there, like in the body of whatever, reply with these words in the subject line, just as a, you know, shits and giggles, man, are you reading what I want? Are you just reading a title? What do you, you know, like, I can't figure out what the process is. So tell me all what LinkedIn is good for? So as a job seeker perspective, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. is really great. I mean, it's similar to Indeed in the fact that it has job postings. So you can go and check the job postings. But one of the neat features about LinkedIn is sometimes the job poster will put their name. So it will show like a job and then it'll say, you know, this person so-and-so is the person hiring for this role. Mm -hmm. So it gives you another opportunity to have a conversation with them. So what I recommend when people apply for jobs through LinkedIn and they can see who's hiring is just to send them a quick message, not ask them for anything, Mm -hmm. but just say Mm -hmm. like, hey, so-and-so, I just applied for this position, just wanted to touch base and let you know. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Because then if they see that message and then they go to work on Monday and they see your resume, they're like, oh, that was the person who messaged me. And you're going to stick more in their brain than Mm -hmm. the other people who haven't done that. 
LinkedIn can be really unique for that. You can also connect with the hiring managers. A lot of people use it for networking. So have some clients who are kind of looking to get into new roles. And so they'll connect with people who are in similar type roles in companies they're interested in and just ask them about how they enjoyed it, how they got into that work, do a little like bit of research and conversations, and then you can build those relationships. So later down the line, if there's an opening and you've built a relationship with someone over like three to six months, you can reach back out to them and be like, hey, I noticed there's an opening at your company. Are you willing to put my name in there as a reference? Because that's one of the easier ways to get into a role rather than just applying cold on online. And then LinkedIn is also really good for just learning more about the job search. There's so many people out there who are posting about how to write a resume, how to do interviews, how to learn about your dream career, how to figure that out. And so if you can't afford a program or that's just not something that interests you, you can go out there and there's so much free content on LinkedIn. It's all very, I would say, more professional than other than other mm-hmm. platforms like Facebook and Instagram can mm-hmm. be a little bit more personal, whereas mm-hmm. LinkedIn is pretty like the personal stuff is not really there. It's pretty rare. Correct. To see it, so correct. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely that's why I say it's definitely a different caliber. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you have to do something different to get a different result. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So therefore, for me, I am. Um, that's a, a, believe me, another reason what caught my eye with you was I'm like, okay, LinkedIn. Yeah. Let's pick her brain a little because uh, it's the year of. So you're offering your services and I'm going to be either changing jobs. Perhaps I need a job for someone that's only written three resumes in her life. I'm going to ask you to help me write it. But something tells me again, with the coaching, I'm going to get more than that because Mm I mean, there's so many layers to the process. So Mm -hmm. here's your resume. Thanks, Steph. Now what? Now you put your coach hat on? Yeah, so it depends. So some of my clients come to me just for a resume, and then Mm -hmm. they go ahead and they use it in their job search. Mm -hmm. Typically, my coaching is kind of pre-resume. So people aren't really sure what they want to do. They kind of need to have a little bit of a direction in order to write a really good resume. Like you can write general resumes. I've done it before, but I just don't feel like it gives as much value to the client if they know where they're headed. So sometimes we'll do that coaching up front to be able to help them figure out what that is that they want to do so that then we can create the resume based on that job position. And sometimes when they're looking at multiple industries or multiple different job positions, it can be helpful to have more than one resume so that they can each speak to the different role that they're looking to get into. Um, And then I do interview coaching as well. And I help people coach with job search strategies and different things like that, if that's something that interests them as well. So. I like it. One-stop shop. Yeah. <laughs> personal branding. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little more about personal branding and why it's so important. I just remember like several years ago, you know, you think sales and marketing is like a dirty word, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to be in sales. You don't want to be that person, like get the car dealership, you know, forcing mm-hmm. you into this car. And that's kind of the bad name that it got. But as I was, the more that I was writing resumes and helping people get their job, the more I realized that job seekers need to learn about sales and marketing too. That's what they're doing every time they get a job. They're selling Mm -hmm. themselves, they're marketing their own skills. And so it looks a little bit different than maybe an Instagram influencer, but they're still using the same process. And so what I think is really important is making sure that your branding is consistent across everything, right? So your cover letter, your resume, and your LinkedIn, you know, it's all kind of really similar and they all support each other. So on the resume, it typically, you want it to be very professional. 
it needs to be two pages in length. So sometimes, you know, you have lots of detail, people who are really detailed, their resumes can be really long and we have to shorten them up and they feel like, oh, all this stuff is missing. Well, that's where you can use the cover letter and LinkedIn for, right? To really support that. Because mm. if they use their resume, someone looks at your resume and they're like, oh, let's click on their LinkedIn page. They go to your LinkedIn, they can read more if they want that more detailed approach. But then also recruiters use LinkedIn quite frequently to look mm -hmm. for people as well. So if your LinkedIn is branded appropriately to the position you're applying for, I've had clients with recruiters reach out to them and they got a job within like a week of changing their LinkedIn profile. So you just never know, like having that branding and getting out there and just knowing what it is that you want and how to sell yourself in a way that hiring managers want to see can be really beneficial and shorten your job search a lot. So what does your little crystal ball see in 2023? I mean, I see the job market has not really calmed down. I see a lot of companies are paying out some really good money. I think it shifted again into an employee advantage. And we didn't even talk about, you know, the great resignation or anything like that. And you feel it each and every day with a job shortage, with a people shortage, but it's anywhere. It's you mm -hmm. see the help wanted everywhere. Mm -hmm. You see, you know, the restaurants that aren't open as long as they used to be or for as many nights as they used to be. And it's such a frustrating time for they would pay all this money to have an employee if they can get it. Right. So what do you see happening in 2023? What do you think? How do you think the wave is going to ride or finish out? I mean, we're just in the beginning, but it's still yeah. so interesting mm -hmm. that there's still a significant amount of workforce that didn't return, either that mm -hmm. or they're just doing something else. It's a tough question. It's hard to know, right? But Right. I, oh, yeah. No, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, you know, for I, sure. What I saw at the end of 2022, mm -hmm. kind of like all of 2022, I would say, is people looking for the position that really speaks to their heart. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going to work every day, they were looking for that position that made a difference and made them feel like they were making a difference. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that that is going to continue into 2023. People just, instead of just looking at the paycheck, you know, they're looking at how I can make a difference. Um, I think that was a big impact of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious to know if that's going to keep going or if people will just get back into the everyday, you know, I'll just go to work and do my job and come back because COVID kind of shocked a lot of people. Well, I, all of us really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so a lot of people were impacted by that. And they're like, well, I want to change into doing something I love. I hope people keep doing that because people doing jobs that they're passionate about makes up for a better workforce. So agreed. Totally agreed. And I always say, if you love what you do, it's not work. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that part is really true. And, and there are days where I feel that at work. And there are days I definitely feel that on when I'm doing my creative whatever. And especially mm -hmm. when I'm, you know, working and talking with great people like you and doing the podcast. This is nothing. I, I always be like, oh, I get to. I get to record mm -hmm. today. Yay. And I get to do this. And that makes my heart sing versus people like, oh, you poor thing. Oh, you have to. I'm like, no, no, I get to. Big difference. Yes, yes big, absolutely. Big difference. So where can we find you in the event that people are a little curious and want to like uh, brush it up and see what's out there for them? 
Where are we going to find you? What social handles? All of that. Something tells me LinkedIn, but please <laughs> fill in the blanks. <laughs> yes, I hang out on LinkedIn pretty much exclusively. So LinkedIn okay. is the place to find me. Absolutely. Basically, LinkedIn is my main point of contact for me. And mm-hmm. then I um, have some like websites and stuff off of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely start there. I'm in the progress of making revamping my website. So that's why I'm not mm-hmm. giving a website link. So yeah. that's fine. And that's LinkedIn it is. Well, mm-hmm. Steph, I got to say thank you so much. I think that people are going to be hearing this in January. It's a brand new year starting in, I think, our first quarter I'm really honing in a lot on instead of just, you know, February being the month of love, it is Mm -hmm. self-love time and Mm -hmm. coming off of holidays and, you know, when you're doing so many things for others and perhaps forgetting about you, this is the time. And this, especially if you're doing something and it's just not doing it for you, you know, you're destined for more just as you knew that Mm -hmm. you were going to be an entrepreneur, that you knew you didn't like working for someone. And there's probably a lot of people out there that that definitely resonates with. So my advice is give this girl a holler, check her out on LinkedIn and see what she's got to offer is all I'm saying, because if you don't, then you're the same result. Don't be Mm -hmm. surprised because nothing's going to change. But if you entertain a possibility, it could really put you on a whole different uh, trajectory. So I say just go for it. Yeah, that's absolutely. what I <laughs> Can't All hurt right. to try, right? <laughs> Can't hurt to try. Exactly. Let them tell you no. All right. I thank you so much. Thank you for, for sharing all of your pearls of wisdom with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone else, uh, love the support website, joyfoundhere.com. We're really going to actually get into the ratings game. Yeah, we are. So five stars, feel free. Anything less, you can hold on to that one. And with that, be well. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.